This is Red Sonia the Song Bee, and thanks for joining me for another episode of The Vibe Juice. Now this week, my co-host is Mr. Christopher Jeffrey. Christopher was born in Sacramento, but raised in Oakland. That's right, and we're happy to call him Oakland Grown. He's a burst of talent, from singer to filmmaker. How about that? More film coming out of Oakland. So stay tuned. And be sure to get your ears ready. We get to hear all about it from Mr. Christopher Jeffrey. So enjoy the show. Chris Jeff- Jeffrey's in the house. Jeffrey. Christopher Jeffrey in the house. Yes, ma'am. How are you? I'm wonderful, Christopher. Good. Thanks for joining us. Thank this- you. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. You mm-hmm. know, this is your girl here, the Queen Bee, Red Sonia Song Bee. Sonia Song Bee. And we got Christopher Jeffrey joining us in the Vibe Crew, y'all. That's right. All in the house. Yo, what's happening? Hey. <laughs> So, how how was your week, Christopher? Oh, man, you know, it was one of those weeks, uh, you know, a lot of stuff going on in the world, politics, uh, you know, a lot of good arguments on Facebook, uh, <laughs> goodness gracious. Oh, my God, we're going to have to take a dive in that, but first, um, Christopher, I'm so glad to have you here, so uh, tell me what, a little bit about your background. Are you Oakland-born? No, you know, I was born in Sacramento, but um, I, I moved to Oakland when I was five years old. And, you know, I have to pretty much say that I'm an organic Oakland guy. You know, I think my, you right. know, my first real memories and my life experiences really kind of came from the town. Absolutely. Even at five years old, everything that's uh, formative in your life, you know, begins. It doesn't start to at least five anyway. That's right. That's right. You know, I can remember, like, the clown and stuff on my cake and stuff when I was three. But, you know. <laughs> right. You know, I might as well have been, you know. Were you afraid of the clown? <laughs> I know they were kind of creepy, yeah. you know. It's particularly with me as a kid. My brother used to clown around and jump out of, pop out of oh, <laughs> closets yeah. and things like that, those, uh, terrorize you. Jack in the boxes, right? And every time the thing popped out, I always cried. <laughs> I don't even know why. Just I, start screaming I don't even and know why I turned the little thing because I knew what was going to happen, right? And I would scream. Just scream every time. But it was amazing. But you knew there was something creepy about that thing. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, like politics today. You already know something's going to go bad, and you just keep turning the thing because you already know. Oh, Kavanaugh, there we go. Uh, look at that. <laughs> look what popped out of the look damn what, box. Right. Goodness gracious. It's creepy. Yeah. So tell me your time in, um, you know, growing up in L.A. I mean, excuse me. I'm sorry. Sometimes I say that I grew up in L.A., but in reference to Oakland, um, what are some of the things that you remember most, earliest memories? Earliest memories was, you know, uh, my, my aunt lived on um, my aunt lived on 90th Avenue, um, and mm-hmm. I can remember the first time crossing, like, a double-lane street, uh, going across East 14th to go to Food King and get candy. That's one of the things <laughs> I remember, <right? laughs> You know? <laughs> 
I can remember like staying with my aunties and you know going across the street and getting candy and looking at dogs running down the street with the mange. You don't you don't see that no more. I, I know. And what um, were you getting like abba abba dabba abba Oh my goodness! Like you know red hots and lemon red hot lemon heads. Yeah. Yeah. Laffy Taffy. Letters, yeah. A little bit before nine letters. It was like nineteen seventy two, seventy three. Yeah, Laffy Taffies and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, all that good stuff. And Chico little, sticks. Chico sticks, right. 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 And the little butter that little square butter thing. Hmm. Yeah, well the Chico sticks and there was one that had peanut butter, the the taffy thing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I can't remember that. Big hunks and uh Oh yeah, the big hunks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And the mangy dogs. Wait a minute. So you think there's no more mangy dogs around? Yeah, I think they just put them to sleep. (laughs) I think they just, I mean, you know, dogs used to walk, run down the street. Used to have just stray dogs running down the street. Right. Well, you know, they said black folks never took care of the dogs. Everybody rescues the things, you know what I'm saying? Oh, it's a rescue, you know what I'm saying? Right, and proud of it. Walk in, and he's got a little designer name tag, and, you know. They get treated better than people. Yeah. So. Yeah, but I remember those mangy dogs in the day. And you go walk past one house with the gate was open, and here come the mangy dog yeah, running, chasing you. Dog, <laughs> Before all the pit bulls and stuff, everything, you know, I was crazy. But then, you know, I think I can remember those those things happening. I can remember, you know, like uh, elementary school, like buying those big old cookies. Now, where'd you, you go to elementary saying? school? I went to Bella Vista over on, like, uh, over kind of like by Highland Hospital. Um, okay. Like Fifth Avenue. Oh, know? oh, wow. Yeah. 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 So, Black Oakland. Yeah, we lived right across the street from the school. Chocolate City. Chocolate See, that's when we were really, City. it was really Chocolate City. Yeah. I used to come as a kid. Yeah. You know, but we lived in, I lived in L.A., but I, all my mother's uncles and, you know, aunts, they lived here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, coming to Oakland was always the Chocolate City. Right. First time I ever saw a Chinese person here? was in Oakland. Yeah. You know something? Most Actually. people don't know that uh, Oakland downtown is the first established Chinatown in America before yeah. o- uh, before New York and San Francisco yeah. is okay. uh, Oakland right here yeah. the oldest first time I ever saw a Chinese person and it was you know, it was, a, it was crazy because I had two Chinese kids on both sides of me one kid's name was Clifford Chan and the other girl's name was Ida Wong that was in your class both of them were in my class they okay were, you know, two little Chinese kids and they were sitting on either side of me and um, and I used to ask them like why are your eyes like that. <laughs> Sorry, like, really? I was born like that. And I was like, oh, okay, but you know, that was like there was a huge surge of uh, Chinese people that came over to the United States from Hong Kong uh-huh. right around that time. So wow, yeah. So it was um, you know a huge uh, you know surge of, of Chinese, um, which was great. You know, um, I loved that experience. You know, that's amazing because in Oakland there's been a couple of surges. Because remember, yeah, the Vietnamese surge. Yeah, the Laotians. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Right. Uh, that was that like was 78, 78, 79. Okay. Um, yeah, there was, there was a huge number of... Uh, After Vietnam. Right, that's what Vietnam happened. War, yeah. Right. Both people. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, um, you know, Hmongs, uh, Laotians, right. Cambodians, right. Vietnamese. Yeah. The Southeast Asians. Right. Running from the Khmer Rouge, you know. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of those kids came, and, you know what I'm saying, now, you know, half of them got kids with us. That's and, right, <laughs> right. You know it's true. You know, they didn't. They moved right in and just sort of just became part of the landscape. Yeah, so. they did. They yeah. did. I know that. I remember uh, years ago reading a little bit about uh, the culture shock for some of them. Mm-hmm. You know, coming because they came. They weren't moving in white neighborhoods. Clearly, mm-hmm. everyone see Oakland having originally been a chocolate city, like some other cities. Mm-hmm. Any new immigrants and uh, you know a flood of them 
often it's the black communities that have to absorb them. Absolutely. And uh, so they, they saw that. And I remember it was uh, a culture shock. I remember reading about uh, some of the uh, Southeast Asians, that, you know, from their pers- perspective, you know, moving into the black neighborhoods and you know they came from poverty but no matter what they were uh they came it was america Mm -hmm. and they're determined that america is a place that we're going to you know rise up in opportunity and it happens for everybody else but while we sit around we look and see just deterioration within our communities instead of expansion and growth that's 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 a sad thing yeah i mean you know the crazy part about america is is that it is a huge continent, North America is, um, it's a huge continent, and there are a large number of migration stories Mm -hmm. uh, with with regard to people moving here Mm -hmm. from other countries, right? You know, everybody comes in, you know, we start the the migration patterns from Europe, Africa, right? And then, you know, and then once we get here, right, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got huge migration patterns that happen, you know, after slavery, huge migration patterns that happen after the... The, uh, the Civil War, huge migration patterns that happened after the Great Depression, mm-hmm. right? You know, like the Grapes of Wrath is a, is a great story about, you know, Tom Joad who comes in from Oklahoma and the whole family moves, mm-hmm. moves west like the Beverly Hillbillies to, to California, right? right? And then you've got stories like uh, uh, the story by Richard Wright. Uh, mm-hmm. um, where Native son? Black, Black Boy. Oh, that one. Black okay. Boy and, and American Hunger, actually. American mm-hmm. Hunger is sort of a second part of... Uh, Black Boy. It was really just one book, right? And what what happened was that they were so concerned with the with the uh, the part of the book where he had actually joined the Communist Party that they actually took oh, that wow. out. Wasn't didn't they make a movie out of that? It was uh, Oprah. No, it, they, they I'm thinking made, of a, they made they made a Native Son. They, that's right. Yeah, they made. And there was son. a communist, a little socialism in that the Native yeah. Son, some involvement. I yeah. remember mm-hmm. it had a lot to do with speak to the times. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, but he was he actually became a poet and sort of a, a writer for, mm-hmm. um, for you know, a communist newspaper in Chicago. Yeah. Right. Um, the end of Native Son. He's actually leaving from Tennessee on a train to go to Chicago, mm-hmm. and that's really where the book stops. Sort oh, of like oh with this yeah. Great hope. Right. He's got this great hope about moving to the north. like a lot of blacks. Right. Yeah. Um, and but in but in in the second half of that book, which is the American Hunger, it sort of shows when he gets to Chicago mm-hmm. and how he goes from Chicago to Harlem and then he goes from Harlem to Paris, right? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so that, that American Hunger is sort of... Uh, always in pursuit. Right. He's always in sort of a pursuit of freedom and, and uh, yeah. of freedom from persecution. Right, where right? the grass is greener. Yes. Always in pursuit. It's got to be better. I think a lot of us feel that way right now, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. that, uh, and, and this is just seems to be part of the black experience in America. It doesn't seem to end. No, it never will. <laughs> it don't stop. It don't stop. And it, it don't, don't stop. <laughs> Tick and you don't stop. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, going back to your Oakland, uh, upbringing though. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that sounds really rich. So your first experience with multicultural culturalism oh, had yeah. to do with the, the two Chinese students that sat to the right and the left of you. Right. Right. And uh, and so, what was it like from there growing up? I mean, oh wow! You know what? It was actually the first time because before that, um, I, I went to I went to kindergarten in Los Angeles. So we did lived, you? Yeah, we went. We lived in well, not Los Angeles. We lived in the L.A. area, which uh-huh. is in Walnut, California, is where we lived. Okay, yeah. That was an all kind of a white neighborhood, right? Walnut, um, yeah. Yeah, Walnut was very white, white, white. Right. You know? And um, 
and I can remember getting on the bus with my sister and having the little white kids sort of tease us and, you know, sort of like push us around. Were you guys doing the only two black kids okay. in the school? Yeah. Right? And sort of being like, wow. oh my God. And they were like, chocolate milk, get out of here. <laughs> you know, thing, right? And we'd be like, well, forget you. you well, chocolate milk tastes better than plain milk. Right. You know. Or your pink strawberry. Right. Milk of magnesia <laughs> milk. <laughs> Right, so you know, so we got there. You know, so we we were there. We sort of we we sort of knew what it was like to sort of be persecuted at the very beginning of our lives. And that was kindergarten. That was kindergarten. My sister was a little couple, two years older than me, and mm-hmm. she sort of always was the one that sort of shrouded herself around me to sort of protect me. Mm-hmm. Um, but she got persecuted as well, you know. And so wow. when we moved to Oakland, you know, here we were in a chocolate city. And I mean, this was like, about what grade then? The si- first like grade. First grade. Okay. Moved, yeah, we moved here in the summer after the kindergarten. Okay. Went to the first grade um, in in Oakland, um, where, um, like I said, but you know we we you it, were the dominant. We were yeah, yeah we were part of the we dominant part of the dominant strain. Now, right. So we look around and we are, you know, saying this is like you know you're coming off the heels of the Black Panther Party. Movement. Oh yeah, My that's right. Oh, well, you know what I'm so, okay. So do you, you know, have any recollection? Of of your mother's activities, I mean, from a kid's oh, eyes, man, you know, we we have a whole different perspective perception right. of you know looking at things. Oh man, my mother used to take me to demonstrations at Lady really? College, and really? yeah, oh yeah, we used to go to demonstrations. My mother used to be up there, wow, power to the people, and she'd have her little speech written and everything. I love it. You know, we'd see you know we'd see other members of the party, and you know, this um, is wonderful because it's yeah. the fabrication of coming up in the culture of Oakland, yeah. which is so beautiful. I think the memories of everyone's experience and it's just wonderful to collect that to know what that is in some way of documenting but to be able to express and talk about it because what we're seeing today is another oakland it's not going to be the same for the kids today what it was there what a rich history it really is a rich history yeah um you know i just just a real real heck of an experience you know growing up uh you know being able to ride your bike you know and take it you know 20 blocks away from the house and not be worried about somebody snatching you yeah you know or uh, bullying it, or, you never encountered outside of the white school in walnut but uh, in, when oh. you were coming up did you encounter any bullies absolutely, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> but they didn't try to take your bike though absolutely <laughs> um yeah they you know the, the you know it was crazy like i said we got we got to oakland it was like you know we were we were part of the the tapestry part of the the landscape you know mm-hmm. it was just you know was nothing to see another black boy you know nothing to see another black girl you right. know, we were we were there you know we were part of the norm you know right that was um, yeah and and uh you know you know white kids and chinese kids mm. latino kids were mm. actually plentiful too actually but really but just mm-hmm. not um not as much as black people i was right. gonna say you know it's like you know you go to school and you know it's black. Around. It was black. It's you black. Know what I'm it was a yeah. black school. And you know the crazy part was, you know, you think, okay, well, you know, black school, uh, you know, bad, you know, uh, teachers, bad uh, education, mm-hmm. you know, poor books. No, not at all. No, we had we had it going on. Had in it. Well, you know, I would we, imagine, know, yeah, especially we had some really good education in and the, the fallout of the Panther movement too, because yeah. they brought so much more to the youth. In this, you know, in this mm-hmm. uh, city, absolutely. you know, through their food programs, through, you know, pride, integrity, yeah, you know, absolutely. so I would imagine that it spilled over in the public schools. How yeah. could it not? Man, it, it had to. I mean, you know, it really, it really was a big part of it. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. the, the Black Panther, you know, uh, free breakfast programs, et cetera, were part of the reason why we had breakfast at school, you know, yeah. and lunch at school. Because nobody like was that. doing that right? until the Panthers did it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, 
So tell me about the, uh, like, so we're in elementary school now. Do you, were there any teachers that stood out to this day that you recall? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, just about all of them, except there was one in mm -hmm. particular that I remember. Um, her name was Barbara Martin. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Miss Martin's no longer with us, unfortunately. Okay. But Miss well, um, Martin. so be raised. Yeah, she was, what she, what she was, was a, she was probably one of the most gifted teachers I've ever, you know, run into. She, mm -hmm. she was really able to inspire us and she was able to, what she, one of the things that she did, um, that I always loved after lunch, mm -hmm. she we would come back and she would spend one whole hour mm -hmm. and she would take that hour to read books out loud. Oh, really? Right after lunch? Right after lunch. That's a great period. Oh, my goodness. That's and you look time. forward to that. Yes. And the stories that she read. Um, wow. You know, everything from Charlotte's Web. One of the books I can remember in particular was uh, A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Lingle. Really? Yes. That's and, amazing because yes. Oprah did the movie. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that, wow. that book really opened my mind to science. Really? And, okay. And mathematics uh -huh. and you know what I'm saying? all kinds of other things outside of just um you know the typical day-to-day -day. Wow. You know, it, it really just sort of opened our minds to astral projection and right. being able to travel to other quasars and things like that you know stuff that you know um you know i had to get my wow. I had to, each and every one of my children has that book really me. so miss yeah. barbara is that, that barbara was martin yes wow she was significant she yeah, was definitely has left uh, a mark on your life Indelibly. early yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, honors to you, Queen. Mm -hmm. Queen, Queen, Ashe, sister. Ashe. Yes. Um, and then one heck of an interpreter, which actually mm -hmm. kind of became sort of something that I actually really sort of uh, gravitated toward, you know, later on in life. And, you know, it, it, um, when I went to college, I ended up going to, um, I ended up going to University of Pacific and was, uh, was accepted on a scholarship to, uh, to, uh, to be a speaker, to, to, to debate and to do oral interpretation oh, of literature. Really? I was right? a national champion. Of literature. Yeah, I was a, I was a national champion mm -hmm. um, in oral interpretation of literature in 1995. Oh, that's outstanding. 96. So Miss Barbara impacted your life so that you just led to a path mm -hmm. so that by the time you got to college, yes. you were a master at debates and in literature and public and, speaking. Yeah, yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. So so back up from junior high, did so I take it that you segue some of that right into junior high yeah, and know, then high school, or did you just pick it up in college? Uh, well, you know, yeah, I kind of, well, my, I actually had a teacher after that who mm -hmm. actually put me into in, in and still in, in still in, high, uh, in, in elementary. Elementary, yeah, so sixth really? Grade, the okay. year after, she put me into a class with a man. Okay. Right, because I'd never been, I'd never had a male teacher. She wow. just felt that I needed to have a male okay. teacher. Okay, male you know, that's model. When teachers were really able to Leadership. sort of do something for you. Right, they could see like something in a move kid. Move in the right direction, right. right, you know. And so she put me in a class with a male, you know, role model. Okay, and okay. And his name was Mr. Morris. Okay. And Mr. Morris um, was, uh, what he was, you know, a very bright and brilliant teacher as well. Mm -hmm. um, and Mr. Morris put me into, he, he, Made me do a speech on. Uh, Maybe do the I have a dream speech actually. Really? Yeah. Wow. And, um, okay. and I did the I have a dream speech, and then I went on and did the uh, graduation speech in elementary school, mm -hmm. and then um, you know I just you know I just sort of stayed vocal at that point, um, and uh, at that point you know uh, it mm. sort of matriculated into music, mm -hmm. and then I became a singer. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when did you pick up singing then? Uh, junior high. 
Actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. So junior high, we kind of sort of became that next phase for me. Hey, y'all, if you don't know, Mr. Chris, Chris, Christopher Jeffrey is a singer. Well, we're going to get oh, into that. We're going to get into that. Go <laughs> yeah, ahead. Yeah. So I became a singer, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, there was a lady named Linda McLean who actually, mm. um, who was the, the vocal teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, she was the choir teacher. And beautiful lady, a white lady, who just, you know, played the heck out of a piano and mm. could teach music like nobody's business. I mean, she wow. taught Lettucey and a few other people. Oh, really? yeah, Is yeah, that she, right? was, she was everybody's teacher. Boy. Oh, she, wow. She was bad. She was bad. Um, now, this is where? What school was at this? At McChesney Junior High, which Junior is now high. called Edna Brewer. You know? Oh, right up here yeah. off of Park. Yeah, right up off oh, Park. Oh, wow. Park, okay. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. so she, she taught me how to sing. Uh, well, actually, I really already knew how to sing because we always went to church growing up. And um, we, you know, went to church growing up, went to St. John Missionary Baptist Church right okay. over on uh, Market Street, which was, you know, a huge, you know, had a huge choir and everything. Never sang. Me and my sister always sat in the back uh, and, and just sort of watched the choir do their oh, thing. Oh, really? But we used to always emulate it when we got home. So, <laughs> so there's one particular. Well, wait a minute. So did your mother, uh, was she aware of this? Because it seems like. My mother was in the choir. I was going to say, I'm surprised yeah. they didn't force you to get into the choir. <laughs> they didn't have a youth choir. They just, oh. had, they just had an adult choir. Oh. And th- that was that. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And um, so then when we, you know, when it, when it came time for, the reason why my teacher actually found out that I could sing at all was mm-hmm. because there was a little boy that sat next to me who was in a youth choir. Okay. And he used to sing really loud, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I was like, well, I can't hear myself. I'm going to sing loud, too. <laughs> So he and the I were sitting over there like these dueling tenors off the right. right. And, and finally she was like, you know what? You're on key. Let me bring it oh, over really? here. And yeah, she, she took me off to the side and, you know, made me practice this one song uh, from Ra- this, the, the you remember the song? Raisin. It was called Aleo. Give us a few bars. Come on now. How to say it, how to begin. One who searches within, Aleo. So, you know, oh, so, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. but, but the crazy part was yeah. that she took me to the Solon Ensemble Festival up at Cal at UC, uh, no UC, but uh, Cal State Hayward. Mm-hmm. Uh, early one morning, she came and picked me up and took me up to uh, Cal State Hayward and made me go into this singing contest. Oh, really? And I won. Oh wow! <laughs> like the whole thing. Oh right? my gosh! Yeah, that's awesome. Right? Yes, yeah, so you know, <laughs> I won. Right? I want to. You know, but all this is your destiny. Yeah. It was an intention. You yeah. know, inten- intended to have these teachers. Yeah. These, you know, these people to be yeah. uh, guides in your life and Absolutely. have a mark in your life. You know, yes. and it ain't done. It's never done until it's, it's done. Oh, no. Never done. No. Never done. Um, and then uh, at that point, I, you know, I sort of said, okay, wow. And so I did that, and then the, that following the end of that year, um, she took me up to UC Berkeley and told me, "Okay, you know what? I'm gonna take you up to UC Berkeley. You're gonna audition over here." So I went over up there, mm-hmm. and UC Berkeley had at that time what they called YMP, which is the Young Musicians Program at oh. Cal Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, Raphael Sadiq. Uh, oh, he was know, in, Joshua he was there? Redman. Oh, uh, wow. Rodney Franklin. You wow. Know, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Derek Hughes, you know, everybody, oh, wow. everybody that's ever really sort of been heavy anybody, you know, sit up right. and was in that program. Wow. Yeah, Is so that program still around? It's no longer. Okay. It's no longer. Okay. Yeah. 
I think they just recently stopped in the last couple of years. Wow. Yeah, okay. but uh, my sister and myself both were fortunate enough to get into the Young Musicians program. Wow, okay. And, um, mm. you know, they had a couple of reunions, which was really cool. And, um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. That was Rodney like, Franklin. Yeah, Rodney Franklin. That goes Franklin. back. Joshua Redman. It goes way wow. back. Yeah, That's awesome. Back, back, back. back yeah. Right. Mm. And then, um, you know, then, then I went to high school. And then my, at that point, that's when things sort of changed, mm-hmm. right? Because you know, I was living in Oakland. Everything was kind of hopesthetic. And then right when I turned 15, mm-hmm. my mom decided, you know what? You need to have a man around. Oh, you know, okay. you need to have a, a male role model, which is my father. Okay. And my father was always around. Yes. He was, you, know, was, you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, you didn't grow up in the same house with your dad. Well, but he was always he was, around. He was there. Right. You know what I'm saying? You know, at, at, you know, there was a time where, uh, you know, you know, if I did something wrong, you like the thing was like before my father moved to Danville, mm-hmm. um, or Alamo was where he lived. He lived up by McChesney, and I lived down by Bella Vista. So he, so like when I did something wrong, my dad he wouldn't drive over to the house. He would walk over to the house. <laughs> Like, with his belt, right? Oh, really? Belt, <laughs> yeah. belt and toe. Yes. Here dad, comes Christopher <laughs> Dad. Did you see him? I see him he go, there you go. To the house. He'd see be like, the belt? I'm going to walk over there. <laughs> yeah, I'm and sitting to come, like, boy. Oh, no. If he's walking, <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's a, that's a butt whipping. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so I got to a point. Then they, then they moved out to, to Alamo. And okay. then um, and that and that was when I was 15. So I... Turn 15. And you went to school out there? I, I went to Wow, well, that, that had to be a big change. Oh. <laughs> big culture shock for you. Yes. Uh, well, actually, you know it's what? It's almost I throwing you right back, back to Walden. That's what I was going to say. You had the experience that's before. That's the same thing. So when I walked in, I was like, <laughs> the yeah, reverse. all right, I know the ropes, kids. <laughs> right, right, right. You guys ready for me? <laughs> yeah, all right. All right. <laughs> Because I'm used to being the guy from the majority from where I'm from. So, right. you know, the, the thing was is that my attitude had completely oh, changed. Oh, yeah, you, you know evolved. You, was, Christopher number to, 15 now. In the corner, you know? Right. <laughs> um, which was crazy because I was a very small kid. Really? Yeah. Okay. I was like, I was, like, um, I was 15. Um, I was five feet tall and 100 pounds. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, you're feet, a little guy. 100 pounds, and I played JV football. Did you, know? you really? Yeah. You must I, have been mighty fast. I was very were you, were you fast strong and very too? hurt all the time. Because, really? boy, they jumped on you, boy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, right. they, you know, the fact of the matter was they weren't going to take it light on you. They, you know, they didn't want you to make the team in the first place. In some cases. <laughs> right. Some of them. I mean, some yeah. of them were all right. But, um, you know, I... You know, the crazy part was, you is, know, I, I got a lot, I got razzed quite a bit. I was going to say, is that where you ran into a lot of bullies? Were the well, bullies yeah. different in the high school compared to the black school and junior high and elementary? Yes. Yes, they were. You know, the bullies were definitely different, um, you know, because, you know, the kids in, the kids in Oakland that were bullies, you know, just wanted to kick your ass because they just wanted to kick your ass. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? They were just like, I like, just want to kick your ass. Your ass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, you know that's the bullies in the They don't school, need a reason. Right. You know what I'm they were like, uh, you're different. Right. And I'm going to whoop your ass because you're different. Yeah. Or, or I'm going to try and intimidate you and scare you because you're different. Right. But see, the thing was that I was a little bit, it was a little harder to intimidate me, uh-huh. you know, at that point. And, you know, plus I, you know, Plus, I had a mouth on me. 
Mm. Right, you know, so <laughs> that's people, right. That's your call weapon. That a short man's complex, right? But that is, you know, what I'm saying. If, but that was your weapon. I was. That was you absolutely my weapon. <laughs> I was absolutely. I can remember. I, I remember there's a guy. There's a guy. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say his name because um, uh, he might turn out to be like another Kavanaugh. We wouldn't want that to happen. Okay. Right, you know okay. Yeah, I know. Come looking you know, I don't want to be sitting like in front of the Senate, you know, or something like that. I but, know. Um, but, Spill the but juice. The kid, but the kid was, you know, kind of, he was a, he was a football player, bigger guy. And he, he walked up and he actually called me a nigger. Oh, really? Inside the, inside the, inside the, the locker room. First incident? You know what? You know, no, it hadn't been Our the most profound that. one that was, stood, stands you know out it, most for you. What it was was my father. Mm-hmm. I had told my father, you know, Dad, they keep calling me nigger. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And my dad said, well, you need to figure out what you're going to do about it. Okay. And he says, you know what? You need to figure out how to define that. Mm-hmm. And okay. I said, wow, okay. So blah, blah, blah. So went to the, you know, went to the dictionary, looked up some things, blah, right. blah, blah, so on and so forth. And I come back into, you know, school and, you know, asshole comes in and says, Hey, fuck you, nigger. <laughs> right. right. And I'm like, yeah, well, what? He says, you're a nigger. <laughs> and I said, do you know what a nigger is? Ugh. And he said, yeah, it's a black person. And I said, nope. Uh-huh. That's not what a nigger is. The word nigger comes from the essence of the root word syntax niggard, which means bastardly, stingy, or ignorant. Uh-huh. Bastardly? Hmm. Can't be a bastard. I live with my father. Uh-huh. Stingy? Now everybody here knows that I come out here and give everything I've got. I'm the smallest man on the team. Uh-huh. <laughs> so what does that leave? Ignorant. So what does ignorant mean? It means stupid. Wrong. <laughs> it means one who does not know. Uh-huh. And since <laughs> you do not know the meaning of the word <laughs> ignorant, Who's what does nigger? that make? You. You. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and did he just look at you stupid? A like, nigger? Duh. Yeah, that's right. Nigger. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Good it was a good one. It was, it was, it was, I it was love it. I loved it. It was, it, was, it was a good moment. But you know what? After that, nobody Touché. ever, in, for the rest of the time I was in high school, Bobby, to, my face, that? to my face, nobody right. ever called me a nigger. I love it. You, yeah. see, you see how well you finessed that even at 15? At 15. And so kids really, even being bullied, there are ways, you know, you have to, you have to cultivate it. You yeah. got to grow some tough skin, yes. but you can flip that and see, you had a skill, you had the skill to orate. You had skill to think quick on your feet, yeah. even being a tiniest and someone that stood out who didn't maybe have the same skin, skin hue as everybody else. Right. But you didn't let that beat you down no, absolutely and not. you flipped it and you stung him. That was good. And I, and I also have. It's a great story. Backpack, so. I love You're right. So. <laughs> no telling what was in that. These days, you know, you don't know what's in the backpack right, these right. days. I had a hammer in my backpack. <laughs> but, um, you were ready. <laughs> right. I was ready for that. Okay. It's like, okay, because if you're going to have with me, right. I got something for you. Right. Um, but, yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so yeah, so that, that sort of went okay. uh, kind of, you know. How long were you in high school out there? Uh, well, David. I was in high school all the way until uh, my senior year in 1985. And you went then? Uh, I got kicked out of high school. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> now, what did you do? They weren't going to make an example out of me. They weren't going to let my ass just make it through. Are you kidding me? No, but, you know, oh. I, I, you know I just think I, something, you know, it's crazy. You know, my oh. mother passed away. Um, I think, like around that time? Yeah, my mother had passed away, and so oh, I wow. really kind of had some uh, tough yeah, that was time, a rough. Kinda, you know, kind of dealing with But that. you were living with your dad? Then? Yeah, I was. Okay. Yeah, and you know, and my father and I, we kind of, we had a little, we had a little bit of a battle, you know what I'm saying, in terms of, of you know, my 
you know, my attitude. But what teenager doesn't have battle with parents? Yeah. yeah. You know, when you're, yeah. you're going through a certain stage. Yeah, I was going through a very tough time. Right. You know, and, you know, so I so I left home mm-hmm. um, when I was 17. Okay. Um, Where was your sister? My sister had already graduated high school. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I had, a, I had a younger sister was still with my parents, mm-hmm. um, with my father and my stepmother. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, uh, so I left and I came back to Oakland. Um, I came back to Oakland and I finished um, high school at okay. a place called Edward Shan's Adult Day and Evening School. Believe it, it or does, not. does it still exist? Uh, you know what? The property is still there, but I don't think that it's open anymore. I think, okay. you know, I think they've sort of moved on from that being a, a continuation school. Yeah. Oakland has a lot of changes with schools, more mm-hmm. than I've ever seen, ever. Yeah, yeah. A lot of changes, mm-hmm. you know, open, close, move, you know, reduced, uh, yeah. you know, just a lot of changes. It's, it's kind of tragic for, for Oakland, but hopefully there'll be some stability in the future. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... I know this is getting long, isn't it? Uh, well, but, no, it's interesting. Yeah, so but I, I want to know how this seg- segues, you know, into what you did with your adult life, you know, and your talents. It, it and really segway. Um, so when I when I got out of high school, when I, when I, when I left Danville, I, I came back and I started working as a musician uh, with a lady named Jackie Hairston. She had a group mm-hmm. called the uh, New Traveling Voices. Okay. Um, and one of the things she, you know, told me, well, if you're going to be in this group, you're going to have to get your high school diploma. I said, okay. Uh huh. So I went and I, you know, started going to school and, you know, getting my high school diploma. I only had like a couple classes that I needed to take. Mm-hmm. It was like one semester. Um, and so I, you know, so I went and actually got my GED like as soon as I walked out of school. As soon as okay. I came out of here, I took out my GED like as soon as I did it. Bam. Yeah. And then. Um, That's all you had to do, a little, yeah, little focus in, in mm-hmm. intention. And then I, then I went. Back to school, and I, but I, you know, I can remember being with the New Traveler Voices, and you know, Brenda Vaughn was a member of the group. Wow, you've Nikita been around Germain, with a little bit of everybody. Um, Maxine Jones from In Vogue. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, they were all they were all part of that that group. You know, Michelle wow. Jordan, who's you know who, who did uh, uh, some great stuff on. Uh, you know, Michelle Michelle did some some really great stuff Oops. on mm-hmm. uh, on uh, on on Broadway. Um, you know, some really great musicians. Um, but, uh, you know, long story short, uh, we all, um, um, did our thing there. And then, um, at some point I realized what I really wanted to do was, was actually become a soldier. Um, and so I joined the army. Wow. Yeah. That's deep. Well, you know what we're going to do? Let's, uh, take a little break and, uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Well, thanks for co- joining us. We're we're back with Christopher Jeffrey. Okay, so Chris, so you you did some time in the military, and you're singer, orator. You, uh, I hear filmmaker. Yes. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, what about the filmmaking? Yeah. Working well, on I'll anything? Say, yeah. It, yeah, you know, it, it, what are you working on? Period. Whether it's, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Right. But uh, from uh-huh. filmmaking to uh, singing, what, what's what's right. happening with Christ- um, Christopher Jeffrey? Mm-hmm. I try and stay in the loop. 
No, no, actually. <laughs> uh, no, actually, artistically, what I'm doing, um, I'm con- constantly, um, you know, working on, you know, new projects and new ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, I started out, um, uh, I, I went to college uh, uh, many, many years ago. Pacific? And, uh, uh, University of Pacific uh-huh. in Stockton. Oh, okay. Um, and um, I graduated with a degree in film, uh, with a degree in film studies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... That's um, like me. I went to Cal State Northridge. Awesome. Film studies. Right on. But I ended up coming here mm-hmm. and doing broadcast uh, Cal State's East Bay. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, so I jumped into uh, the film program um, and uh, promptly got out uh, and got out right into a dot-com economy. Okay. Um, and, you know, uh, well, we why do what money, to, right? money is I right before the money, us, right? right? Exactly. We do that. Because I, I got way off track in a yeah, lot of things, yeah, like, exactly. constantly. Yeah, jumped in and became a recruiter, actually. Okay. Um, became a technology recruiter. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and just ended up recruiting for, like, the next, you know, 15 years. Yeah. Right? And yeah. then... Um, you know, one day I kind of looked at myself in the mirror and said, you know what, this isn't what I signed up to do. Isn't it funny? Yeah. I was like, wait a minute, I didn't mm-hmm. to do this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, fortunately for me, um, uh, fortunately for me, I ended up with, with, uh, with, uh, a pension actually from the military. Wow. Wonderful. Um, yeah. Smart move. Yeah. <coughs> I ended up getting a pension from the military and, um, that pension then, um, I took the back pay for the pension. Okay. And then got a large amount of equipment so that I could make movies. Cool. And then I took the... Keep your girl in mind, you know. You know, yeah. I got a little acting background, a little all okay. that. Okay. I grew up in L.A., you okay. know. That's that's what you did. Sure. You know, with little busy bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, can't be still. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, so then I did that. Mm-hmm. And, then, um, um, and then I decided to, you know, really sort of revamp my myself into a film company and I turned okay. turn my what's company. the name of it it's called Aeon West Motion Pictures okay yeah. right on it means Forever West <laughs> uh, Forever West Motion Pictures okay. Aeon West and um, and uh, started working on projects actually I, the project that I'm working on right now is a movie called Colonized um, and okay. um, Colonized is really not really about the shaping, or not, excuse me, not about the physical appropriation of land, okay. but more about the shaping of consciousness through social and economic domination. All right. So it's it's about a young black writer who comes to Oakland to meet up with a friend of his who is actually a director who's actually had some success in the business. Mm-hmm. That young black writer wants to make a movie about King Mansa Musa, the mm-hmm. uh, king of Mali. Okay, yes. Probably the richest man who ever lived. The Right. Mm-hmm. Empire, yes. Right. And um, and he wants to make this sweeping epic of this, mm. you know, this great king. Um, his friend, who sort of makes the boys in the hood type flicks, is like, man, there ain't no <laughs> booty and no rims in this movie. Ain't nobody want to see this, right? Uh. And and it, and it really sort of becomes a dilemma about how he can try and get the movie greenlit. And he's, you know, tries to go through various different avenues uh, to try and make the movie, and eventually just, you know. Decides, you know, forget trying to get somebody else to give me the money to right. make it. I'm just going right. to make it. Wow. So how far how far along are you? Well, we're just finishing up the soundtrack. Actually, um, just finishing up the soundtrack now, and um, and everything else is pretty much done. Oh. Yeah. So actually, we're looking to try and uh, be ready for the for the uh, film festival season. 
in 2019. Oh, really? That's and, exciting. So, and, and what's the name of the film? It's called Colonized. Colonized. Mm-hmm. Well, we gotta be sure to look for that, brother. Oh, yeah. You know, when you when you're ready, uh, let me know. Send send something to, to me on uh, social media so I could put it out there. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, definitely want to be there at the film festival. So, yes. I mean, now you were here. Do you remember Ave Montague when she had uh, the Black Film Festival in San Francisco? That was in the 90s. Yeah, Ave Montague. Actually, mm-hmm. in the 90s, I think through the 2000s, and then she she passed away. Yeah. And I don't really know that uh, because there was uh, a little struggle, you know, a uh, little financial, economic, and struggle over controls over mm-hmm. who has the rights. And I think uh, maybe her son t- came on and took over, but I'm not, I have not what heard. Film Festival? No, it was the San Francisco Black Film Festival. Oh, okay, okay. And I, I remember there was an Oakland Film Festival. Mm-hmm. When I first came here, there was a group mm-hmm. because I tried to, I did some work with the group, you know, joined the group because I still wanted to segue with some kind of involvement, mm-hmm. you know. <clears throat> I, although uh, I ended up doing my last year in broadcast, I was, it was not my passion. My passion really was film. Right. And uh, nonetheless, I didn't feel, you know, but I made this change and transition. And uh, when parts of me in hindsight says, well, why did you leave L.A. if you should have stayed? But my father was here. And I thought, but, you know, I should have went to UCLA. I should have went on and went to the film school and did the master program and et cetera, et cetera. I still am that creative person. I think that sometimes it's hard when you're this creative visionary and you take jobs to pay a bit, a rent, a car note a mortgage, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you find yourself that you're not in control of inventing yourself, that you become a circumstantial person in situations to earn income. And yeah. you can never be happy when you're an, you're an artist, a creator. You have to at some point take risk and say, I've got to pursue, i got to, I got to do something. Even if you're doing it on the side, you have to do something. I came to that <coughs> realization, <coughs> excuse me, even though I always try to stay uh, have something creative going for myself, mm-hmm. but I could never have any real true gratification because it just wasn't going to be there just on a job. Yeah. And <clears throat> I thought, well, maybe one day I'll end up working in the industry doing something else. You have to create yourself. Yeah. You know, it's like I have the sign here that says, and I usually laugh off the time, I'll sometimes close and say life is not about creating you, about finding yourself, it's about creating yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's never too late. And you'd never have to stop. I have a friend whose dad, his passion was uh, creating engines. Uh, he was one of the first inventors of solar panels and solar energy and et cetera. Well, he's deceased now, but he passed in his 90s. And even into his 90s, from his, his mind was working, mm-hmm. he wanted his body to continue with his, in, you know, innovations, he wanted, he was determined. So I think that in your mind, and you, you have to, you just have to keep doing it. You take it one, one step at a time. But sometimes you, the worst, I think it's worse to look back in hindsight and have regret mm-hmm. that you didn't do or didn't try. I think that would be my biggest regret would be, uh, would to be to, to have been somebody with all the talent that mm-hmm. I've been given. And, right, and didn't and, do... You know, people have admired my talent to a point where I recognize that I kind of got you feel a little, a little bit bad. You know, I kind of got a little talent. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. like, yo, man, what are you doing wasting your time? You know, I get all that. Especially if it's you know? someone that went to school with you. Right. I had people like that that went to school with me, and they said, I hadn't seen in years. It's like, now me, I was, I came out 12th grade most artistic. Mm-hmm. But that was because I, not only, I, you know, I did acting classes, 
I took a little singing. I did dance classes when the teacher thought I was masterful. Sent me up to the University of Judaism to do modern dance with Seda Gerard. She was some great person in modern dance, nationally known. But I ended up doing uh, 11th grade high school sculpture, sculpturing, which, uh, where is it? That piece won me an award, county award for the 11th grade. And there's a piece up there, at, way at the top on the end of this armoire. Mm -hmm. And it's a little Egyptian piece with the eucalyptus coming up at the top, behind a cross. Oh. And that won me the county award for the 12th grade. So, and then the Holly Selassie on the end. That's oh, Holly that's Selassie. Awesome. Okay. That's something I did. Wow, the, the full bus. The full bus. So, I found out that, okay, I realized, and then people that knew me in high school, what are you doing? Are you, they just know you're doing something fabulous with right. all your talent. It's like, well, I got a job. Oh, well. Right. And, you know, and that guilt in my mind is like, I just, and I had this teacher that always said, Sonia, 12th grade, Mr. Nastasia, Sonia, you know, darling, if you don't use your talents that God gave you, that you'll live a very miserable life if the talents aren't yours to keep. I never forgot those words. They haunted me. And they've been more after I moved here, it's like in the Bay Area. I've been here 20 years now or so. But I just realized how important it is, even for yourself, that you pursue and you continue and you work on them. Absolutely. You know. So I think that's awesome, and I would want to support you any way that I can. Thank Here you. on the Vibe Juice, Thank now that Christopher vibe Jeffrey you. is Vibe Juice. Vibe. Vibe on the Vibe <laughs> Juice. We're going to get into a little orange juice and uh -huh. booty juice, too. Go with the booty juice. Yeah, we got to okay. do it. got to get some booty juice. But, though. you know, but that's wonderful. So just, just keep me posted, and I uh, definitely want to support you on Colonize. So y'all remember to look for Colonize in 2019, the African-American and Black film festival or any film festival wherever it's going to be but Hopefully stay someday. tuned because vibe juice will keep you posted yes indeed yes indeed. so hey it's been a hell of a week yes <laughs> one heck of a week one heck of a week what mm -hmm. where, where do we start where do we start we go into the orange juice now the orange juice is our political segment yeah uh there's been a whole lot going on i tell you mm -hmm. my i have been provoked angry to the point that it, that I have to just turn the TV off. And this is Saturday. So t today it was just announced that the Senate uh, voted Kavanaugh as uh, the Supreme to be elected or uh, as the Supreme Court Justice of, uh, you know, and it's, it's devastating. I've been watching CNN. Yes. I see protests everywhere. All the protesters are in tears. I, my soul is crying for this country because we're seeing the undoing. Just when we thought we were advancing, it seems that there is a cobalt uh, in this country that is doing everything to take any progress that we made, social progresses, mm -hmm. and reverse them. Absolutely. I mean, you know, what, what, you, what you have now is um, a Supreme Court, uh, which is conservative to a point where they have the majority it's it's yeah. it's what is it five to four now yes yeah, I, I, so. I think it's i think it's or is, is it, it six to, or no. is it six to six to three even yeah, it might I, be. I think it's six it, it, i'm not sure exactly what it is but 
but what I do know is that, you know, you, you have to watch that kind of thing, you know, um, because, what do we do? you know, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, because these are life. What you got to do is you got to go vote. You know what I'm saying? I, unfortunately, you know what I'm saying? That's what has to happen. Lifelong. You know the, the, the Senate is the, is the body that chooses the Supreme Court justices. Point wow. blank and simple. Right. And if you cannot have, you know, uh, people uh, that support your interests in the Senate, right, they're going to go the opposite way. I mean, right now, you know, you, you got to realize the Dred Scott decision, for instance, right? right? You right. know, that was a decision that basically said that black people aren't human, right? These are human beings who actually voted and thought that way, hmm. okay? So you have to understand, if they thought that way, right? Right, right. And, 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 and the president of the United States says, make America great again, mm-hmm. that's the time of being great that he was talking about. Right. And so, exactly. so, so, so if you're talking about being great again, you, you, this that's, is the disturbing. Kind of great that, that's the kind of great they're looking for. It's they're, disturbing. They're, they're exactly. Looking, they're looking for the kind of great that, that knocks out the, the civil rights uh, bills of 1964, exactly. 65 and 68. Okay. Right. Right. They're, you know, they're looking to take away all of those gains that were actually brought to us. Exactly. Right, uh, before, before, before the civil rights era. Yeah. Uh, 1964. So this is where, and even we're going to kind of jump around a little bit, but I have to say this: this is the other thing that really just, really just pees me off. Kanye West with his uh, MAGA uh, hat, and and he's going on different um, media shows, and Mm -hmm. you know, and and carrying on this rant. My, you know, and then uh, we know that uh, because of Twitter, Chris Rock. Uh, film Kanye going on his uh, rant that was not supposed to be part of Saturday Night Live. Right. Plus, he was not supposed to wear the hat, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And they just didn't film it, uh, you know, allowed it to be filmed. But it still got out on social media. Right. Now, <clears throat> the rant Kanye back on that. We know that he has issues and he needs to be unmet. He doesn't need to be speaking on politics. Right. You know, stick with your music. You have enough people that follow you and support you for the music. Now, Kanye, and with some of these people on the right and the, the re- Republicans and conservatives, that up... They fan they, his flames. They, they, yeah, they fan his flames. They're like, oh my Here's gosh, you thing. need to get on the same page as They're Kanye. Delu- but, like, then, but then when his ass really ends up going this? to jail in about 10 years, right, y'all right. going to be talking about what a dirty dog he is. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? But tell me yeah. this, Chris, what year, what time and year would Kanye want to walk in the shoes of a black man that would make America great again? What what day in the past is that? There ain't, there ain't. But, I mean, you know, unless unless you're talking about unless that's you're talking where about he's delusional. Last Fifteen to twenty years, yeah. you ain't you ain't talking about nothing. That's where he's right? delusional. Again. Yeah, this is the best time in the world to have ever been black. Right, right, and so he and, needs to get off right, of that, but right. he's he's not getting it because he's so delusional because of the environment that he's in mm-hmm. with all the fakery that he's around. Mm-hmm. You know, from uh, the the people that he's surrounded by right. from the, uh, the Kardashians and the, the fashion uh, industry Caitlyn's right. and right. all of that other stuff that's not real right. you know and if he ever gets knocked off his platform uh, and he will meds won't help him no he's gonna go to jail <laughs> he'll be an OJ he's gonna he's gonna go to jail I can I can almost guarantee you that he is headed for jail I you know <laughs> I it's going to happen. You know, I don't know what he's going to do. Stupid. He's going to run his car into a Something damn sidewalk or a, you know, full of 
people or because he's not in he, he's not he, in touch. His feet not, aren't on the ground. He's he's <laughs> going to he's going to go to jail when he does do something heinous. Right. You know what I'm saying? Whether that be just not paying his taxes or just being a Negro on a sunny day. <laughs> the simple fact of the matter is, is that he's going to be looking just like Bill Cosby back to his community to come help his ass. And ain't nobody going to be right. There. And how many and times just, have we seen that? Yeah, it just I mean, it happens almost every time. I know. You know what I'm saying? You just go ahead and jump ship. You go ahead and jump ship. And you will see what happens when your time comes. Right? Because nobody's going to jump back on your side. You know, I saw I saw a meme a couple of days ago with mm-hmm. George Bush. And it said, Kanye West doesn't like black people. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. I love it. <laughs> you know, that That's right. He one, does right? it. He wishes that we were all slaves again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he said he wanted to abolish the 13th Amendment. Right, which is, you know, he was trying to basically say he wanted to repeal it and, or, or do something to, to basically say that uh, more or less if you go to prison, then you can't be used for slave labor. But, you know. He's just not making sense. You know, he's rambling. He's, you know, he's trying to speak as if he's some uh, very well thought, you know, thought out, pensive exactly. uh, uh Educator speaking from this very he's a legend in uh, his own mind. You no know, high political yeah. uh, mm-hmm. state. He, you know, you're, he's clueless. Mm-hmm. He's disconnected. His ideas and concepts aren't connecting right. to the, make to be sound right. ideas. And, and the cra- like I said, the craziest thing is, is that you get you, you get these you know white right wing conservatives right right who because he said what they wanted him to say. That will they will come and say, oh well, see, you need to be more like Kanye. Kanye is right, you know. Kanye oh my is God, a you know what? Yeah, Kanye. Is, oh, because you know, he's using, f- because uh, he's not claiming the term the left, free thinking you know, or whatever. You know, when they, when they say that, you know, when you hear these people say the left, you know, I swear right. to God, it almost sounds like they're going <laughs> niggers, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, they say it with such disgust yeah, in like, their tone. Oh, you people on the left, yeah. Right, you just dirty leftists. Yeah. Right, you socialists. Right. Right. You know, socialism is you know dirt on my tongue just saying it. Right. <laughs> you know, socialism is is uh, Bill Maher said it best. Socialism is, you know, is not so bad. You know, at the end of the day, because you know, well, so- socialism is. So I mean, like you know, socialism is how our roads and are are are, are, are put up. Right. Socialism is how we have street lights. Right, right. You know, saying fresh water. Right, it also water. helps to, to to put structure right? yeah. in. It's not just about you know uh, only a few privileged people, yeah. one, two, three percent. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, it helps to put s- structure so that the rest of society can work and, and flow and el- el- yeah. uh, with one another, right. with nature, with uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, Animals with whatever you right. know, but but on, on those right conservatives, you know, right we would have polluted oceans, and uh, you know, oh, yeah, we would have uh, pipelines running through the backyards, and you you'd be eating toxic GMOs, and you know, kill them all. Right. You know, they don't give a damn. No, nah, they rather you, you know. <laughs> You know, and then, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that. Yeah, you know, and there is no global warning. Or, See, these are people, and, and then they buy anything that stands on a red platform, anything that they say, they buy it. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't even say take a moment to even no, question their arguments. That's my problem with the, the, the right wing, you know, people that just fall in. That because yeah. you have a certain amount of them that can't think for themselves. I'm sorry. 
stupidness. Man, you know what? There's a, there's a, there's a lot of them that just fall in mm-hmm. to line. And right. it doesn't matter what a person They're says. They're just coming they straight just, off the Fox News teletype. It's just yeah, and that's everything, it. everything that they say it's by, is biblical. straight off of the Fox <laughs> News teletype. It's yeah. like you heard, you heard Sean Hannity say it. Now you repeat it. Right now, right. You're, and that makes you correct. Right, right. Um, you know, it it, it is written. sounds compelling, but it's a lie. You know, um, you know. So you know, it, it sounds compelling. I mean, people can can really truly I mean, passionately it, and listen. You know, fake news. That is some of the most distorted news. Hmm. Clearly, that's feeding right out of the hands of Donald Trump because uh, Sean Hannity, who speaks to Donald Trump often yeah, every day, he tells Donald Trump what to say. Oh my God, he and he believes it. Right. You know, and, and, you this know, is so sad. It's just traumatic. It, it really is. It's, it's really I mean, bad. we have an uneducated person that's, you know, basically sitting in the White House leading this country and making really stupid decisions, but decisions that in his favor, though, in his favor that are going to benefit his children's children's children. He's right. trying to shape laws that are going to have long-term impact. And so, you know, really, the rest of the people have to wake up. I mean, I, I, I love uh, Kaepernick, and I'm supporting supportive of Kaepernick 100, 1,000%, with the exception of not voting. He chose not to vote in the last election that Trump and, yeah, that is a big oops. That's a, yeah, that's a bad thing. That's that's not a good thing. Yeah, I'm all for Kaepernick, but what we need people in leadership positions where you have okay, Kaepernick is taking a stand on something. Well, Kanye probably feels that he's taking a righteous stand on something. Mm-hmm. I don't see it, don't but he, probably, he he thinks he is. Kaepernick, he he has uh, taken a stand. I think in in the right way to bring uh, recognition to issues in pertaining to you know police. Uh, brutality and et cetera, and what happens not just on the street all the way to the courts. Now, but maybe you don't feel a certain way about when it comes to politics and voting. I cannot disagree more. I had an argument with a a young millennia mm-hmm. on the young end of that spectrum. Right. And I mean, this was before the the election. And she said, well, it was four of us going to wine country, and this young woman sat in the back uh, seat screaming to the top of her lungs that Hillary Clinton was a crook. Now, she didn't say that she was a conservatist, but she screamed that she was, I said, so you would rather vote for the devil and, you know, and, and let a, wor- a worser evil? I said, you know, when it boils, I said, you haven't lived long enough to know certain things out of the result of the 60s how it, and through the 70s how it, our communities were impacted. And maybe, you know, you're millennial. You guys are being naive. Young black woman or young woman? Young black woman. Oh. Naivete. Mm-hmm. And, and there is a good number of them that fell in that line and said, you know, I'm okay. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm not, not saying I'm not voting for either one of them. Or, listen, I was all for Bernie, but when it, when it became very clear yeah, that Bernie wasn't going to be in there. Yeah, you're wasting your vote. Right. You're wasting it. To me, what was more important is not to, is to prevent somebody of evil, the lesser of two evils, yeah. to prevent this. We have to think strategically. Maybe you don't want her, but we get this person in, and then we worry about the next election. But we've got to strategically think long term. A lot of people aren't thinking that when they decide to, to you know, what they're voting on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that... I just can't see uh, how much of a crook Hillary truly was. Uh, you know, 
you know, I, you know, look, she made some mistakes. Yes, she did. She sent some bad emails. Uh, <laughs> you know, she's she, well, she wasn't she in a bed like with a Russians. bitter woman or you know whatever. She, you know, she wasn't very likable. I didn't like her pants. No, well, no, she uh, wasn't very you know, likable. And you then, know, you know, her highlights didn't really turn <laughs> me on. But at the end of the day. You and stand by your man. Maybe doesn't always rub other everybody right. well, but and, you know, at the, at the end of the day, come on, man. I mean, you know, <laughs> so if she was the better choice, right, over this jerk, right? Oh, you know, uh, without a doubt, without and, a doubt. And, and, and you know, and then and then uh, to top to top it all off, uh, you know, you know, she would have, you know, continued the policies that we were that we were moving. At least that we and, you know, right and, and kept and kept us kept us moving in the right direction. The policies of change instead right. of not going back to you know when you had to you know your parents had to drink uh, go use a different bathroom go through the back to come to a restaurant to get food uh, eat with the dogs or whatever whatever there are people that are really on it because just think about it the people that are in the Supreme Court and uh you know, and uh, some of the people in the White House, they live during those times. So to them, make America great, that is that agenda, mm-hmm. is going back, you know, uh, yeah. pre-civil civil rights. Yeah, and you know what? And the, the craziest, Women's rights. Right. No gay part rights. Is that half of these fools don't even remember that period in them damn selves. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, people are literally getting so old now right. that, you know, they're saying, just like, not like even the civil rights movement was 50 years ago. That's, you know, that, that's 50 years. Right. right? So, you know, you've got people maybe 20 years older than that, you know, saying, right. you know, 25 years older than that. That are in political right? positions. That to are make... in political positions, yeah, right? Right. But, you know what I'm saying, so they can remember being, you know what I'm saying, some, you know, like. Uh, all the privileges. You know, like, yeah, you know, they could, they could basically be somebody with all the privileges from being a white boy. Right. You know what I'm saying, in South Carolina. Right. Like, uh, like Lindsey Graham, for instance, it's, right? Right. You know, who had everything that he ever needed, you know, saying probably had a black nanny and everything else. Yes, grew up right? that way. And, you and know, like, yeah, yeah, this is when America exactly. was great and this is exactly. how I want things. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. So. Exactly. What are you trying to say? I mean, you, would you need another maid? I mean, what do you know? It, you know, because that's, you know, you know, when people started actually, you know, growing their hair out and, mm-hmm. and, and, and being proud of who they were and, yeah. and being a pan-Africanist and all the right. other stuff. That's when y'all really got funky, right? right. You know, what I'm saying that's when y'all really decided to, you know, you know what? I don't, you know, I don't like this. You know, they they, they got too much pride. You know, they're, they're making money. Oh, no. oh yeah. Got, but, oh, no. So that that was a quick and yeah. rapid change. If you think from '68 to you know what, five years, ten years, yeah, you know, ten years later, '78, whatever. But from everything that to to happen that had to occur up to the '60s or from Brown and Board. Uh, Brown versus Board of Education right. for, you know, the rights for students, you know, and to go to other schools and integration, et cetera. Everything that happened, and, and sadly, there was a, a someone who was honorable on the Supreme Court eventually, Thurgood Marshall. I'm sorry, Clarence uh, Thomas just doesn't suit not those shoes. Not a good replacement. Not, not at all. It's a huge no, he's insult. black. You know what that, I'm Yeah, but that's, that's not. That's, he's just with a, you know, with a, with a, with a hardcore right-wing wife. You know, who basically right. probably tells him everything he needs to do. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he's probably not even the one that's right with the pants in the family. I don't even think. <laughs> you know, but when I but when I think about it, you know, when I think he's about He's an inside-out Oreo. Man. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, you look at... You look at or an Oreo. Yeah, he's just an Oreo. You yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> just Uncle, like, Uncle, Uncle you know, Clarence, Tom. Uncle, Uncle Clarence. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I mean, if you, if you... You know, but you think about it, right? You know, you think about, you know, Thurgood Marshall. Thurgood Marshall was the... Basically, uh, 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 
architect mm-hmm. of probably one of the greatest landmark decisions in the mm. history of the Supreme Court. Right? He's mm. the person that actually fought this and and, 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 and and litigated this, you know, for you know, ten ten some odd years, all the way till like nineteen fifty eight. Right. Right. Uh, and, and, and brought Brown versus the Board of Education uh, to the forefront, which basically was not just about schools, mm-hmm. right? What it was what it was really about was 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 knocking down the separate but equal clause, mm. right? And, and 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 changing the world in which we saw it. He redefined the world, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's a person that sits on the Supreme Court. Yeah. Okay? Right. Clarence Thomas never did anything like that. Clarence Thomas probably never litigated one case in the no. Supreme Court. He's all right? about being I mean, on the good, good, good old boys' like side. 20 cases that he, that, he, that he did in the Supreme Court. Right. He's not even suitable to right. even fall in those and, and shoes. Kavanaugh either. Right. Kavanaugh never took anything to the Supreme Court. Right. Ruth Bader Ginsburg did. Yes, she did. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, so. Bad so, Ruth. Yeah. Bad, I don't see that bad Ruth Brown yeah. <laughs> Ginsburg. I just want to say RGB. <laughs> right. RBG. Yeah. Right. right. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, here we have, here we have, you know, these guys, you know, that basically were basically high level clerks. Mm hmm. Right? That's what that guy was. He was a high-level clerk <laughs> who got promoted to being a circuit court judge. Right? And then from circuit court judge, he didn't make too many bad decisions or something like that. Right. And then, then he just, they just sort of just sort of washed him right in. You know right? what? It's so disappointing, though. I mean, this, this, this is disappointing yeah. to just know. And uh, I, was, I was talking to one friend uh, who was saying to me, he says, you know, it's just the same old white boys. He said, you know, so things go on as we knew as before. You know, like, it's not like we're the super young people that's coming and, you know, our future is just going to be horrible. This is what our past was. And we saw we saw the curve, the bell curve, go up with, with Obama. You know, so a slow, hard, difficult rise, but we saw just some social changes, and now we see the bell curve going down. I don't understand why they even thought Obama was. I mean, you know, like, you got to understand, this man got the keys to the kingdom when all the tires were popped. Right. right? You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, he got, like, he got the keys to the car, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the engine was broke down. Right. The tires were popped. You know what I'm saying? The windshield was broken. <laughs> it's true, right? Right. And he and he went back and did all the repairs. Right? Exactly. The then we exactly. got to move it down the road. Right. You know what I'm saying? And we yeah. got we got momentum and right. everything going, so now it's handed over, right. and who's trying to take all of the credit? Then they credit? To somebody with a suspended license, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and he's basically going. Well, gonna no, do not only is it suspended. First of all, he never even had to even apply like everybody else for a license. Right there, you go. That's First really what no it license, is, basically. right? Basically, <laughs> yeah. but but he gets a pass for it. It's like, oh, go on and let you know. Yeah, go on. The, the, it, it, half of this was handed down to you anyway. Right, you know, um, and so you know, so here it is. You know, he gets he gets that and then basically takes out everything that Obama ever did. You know what I'm saying? Other than, you know what I'm saying, the economy. Because, you know what I'm saying, they, right. you know, they talk about how the Trumpian economy is, is a better, you know, economy. But it's really not. No, it's, just, it's, it's not. It's just a continuation a of what Obama had already done. Right. You know, Obama just set things in motion. To, well, to, he to did. Actually, but some of know, the things that, he, that Trump is doing and, and changing and, you know, turning knobs and, mm-hmm. you know, really is going to have a future benefit for his family and heirs and as just as he he amassed his wealth through his father and you know about the new york times mm-hmm. uh, yeah. about all of the, the everything taxes the taxes and all the wealth yeah. that was all hidden and 
all of this property and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, mm-hmm. and how it was intent, intentionally designed and manufactured to hide all of this so that his children, that in Donald Trump, that inherited all of this, was all hidden within uh, uh, corporations that they created. Yeah, yeah. It's a real mess. You know, um, a lot of people think, um, you know, uh, that this, this, this next election um, is, is going to, you know, I think it, it should probably make some big changes. I don't know if it's going to be necessarily I so. positive. I hope. Or negative. I mean, you know, think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, you know, Donald Trump is the kind of guy, right, mm-hmm. um, who you know, just recently, uh, about a month ago, he said, he basically said, well, if the Democrats win the House and the Senate, mm-hmm. then, well, basically, um, there's going to be violence all the way across the nation. You're saying this is Trump. Yeah, Trump says basically there's, there's going to be violence across the nation. Oh my goodness! If there's wait, violence wait. now, sorry, are you trying to say that the Democrats are going to cause all this violence? Right? Because right. that's what he's saying. He's saying that the Democrats are going to be. The this is crazy. Violence. Why would we be no. violent? If oh, we but not his. Some of his right. good people, like in North Carolina, his right. good people, right. who ran over and killed a woman. Right. But there's some of them are good people. You see. Right. Right. Oh, all sides. All sides. <laughs> um, but but you know but. But that leads me to think, you know, that's what he would probably prefer if, if, if actually the Democrats actually won the House or the Senate, mm-hmm. right, or both, mm-hmm. right? Because if they took those back, mm-hmm. right? So he I could think, have excuses? Right, so he could have <laughs> excuses to throw the country into martial law. That would be my thing, right? You think it, yeah, you he is the, crazy. You could throw the country into martial law, suspend the Constitution, and then place, install yourself as the permanent president. What? Yes. You think that he's got all that planned out, figured out? I think he's a cuckoo. I think he's a cuckoo. He is a cuckoo. Yeah, I think he's that cuckoo. He is cuckoo. You know, what scares me, though, is that this whole thing, you know, this this, this whole button thing. (laughs) The button thing. Oh, the button. The button thing, I'm just saying. The button thing. No, the button thing, you know, between Korea and so forth. But that, you know, he is such what he's good at, not the art of the damn deal, which he didn't write. But he's he's better at the art of deceit, not with people with their eyes wide open, but with people, those certain yokel types mm-hmm. that are easily to sell a, the snake salesman can sell them anything, oh, yeah. and that's what you've got in Red America. Got a mm-hmm. lot of them, and what bothers me is that if whenever he's narrowed in a corner. He does something extreme to, to, to distract. Yeah. And I think that he would even get us in a war. Mm-hmm. If we got so narrow, close to this Russian revelation and all of that. Yeah. He's trying to start something with him right now. Yeah. They, uh, a couple days ago, actually, I just read uh, uh, a couple days ago um, that the United States was actually going to move a large part of the Pacific fleet into the South China Sea. Oh, come on now. All because of the tariffs imposed? Well... This is starting it? Well, partially. Because, well, you know, you got to realize that the Chinese are now starting to create these islands. Well, they're powerful. They're creating these islands. They're like these man-made islands. Yeah, they're powerful. And they're they're going into all of these Caribbean islands as well. Mm -hmm. They can strategically position real close to the U.S. Uh Because they're doing all the infrastructure everywhere. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're, they're oh yeah, they're doing that in Africa big yeah. time. Um, but yeah, they're 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 building all these things in South China Sea, and and when American planes are now flying around, mm. they're, they're saying, we need "This to turn is our back. territory. You need to turn yourself." So around. this is our territory, right? You're, you're invading our air, right? Um, the, the, wow. the planes are actually taking risks of getting shot down now, but it's crazy. What's what's really crazy is that they that they basically announced that they're going to go over there and start doing stuff, and you know, and because if they do get a challenge, you know, you have to realize as powerful as our navy. Be, hmm. we're not in our territory. It's like you know, right. we, we're we're that's all the way on the other side of the world. Exactly. You know, what I'm saying you send all those boys all the way over to the other side of the world. Far. You know, they could get blown up. Right. You know, what I'm saying, and, and if they do, well, then what? You know, then it's really bad. But anyways, hmm. I'm sorry, I digress. No, no, no. I mean, this is you know, hey, <laughs> we've got an idiot up in the, in the White House. We've yeah, got to. Something. We can't dismiss everything. You know every every potential theory or whatever we have to consider because he's 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 a unstable, unhinged fool. Yeah. And I don't think he he doesn't give a damn about putting us at risk. I, you know I really don't either. I I just don't think that he really cares if half the if half the continent gets scorched. I know. You know it's, it's frightening, you know, but I believe that too. You know I keep telling people like yeah okay you just keep. Supporting him, and then when your ass is waking up from exactly. underneath you, coming out, you know, trying to crawl out from underneath your house, right? You know, what I'm saying because somebody knocked it flat. Exactly. Don't be surprised. Exactly. When you wake up. Hey, listen. He probably knows that he's got a, or believes that he has a, a safe house somewhere in Russia. That they've got it all set up for him. Don't yeah. worry. I've got this. Got Don't this. worry, Trump. You're okay. Man. <laughs> he sure did kiss the ring over there with Putin. I tell you. Yeah, he, Putin's Putin right in his face. <laughs> Here's Trump. Here you go. Putin. <laughs> Putin for you. <laughs> right. Russia is Putin for Trump. Russia. Man. I just I I'll tell you what, I just don't know. I just I just you know. He's making everything difficult. I mean even 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 you know, finds a way to, to, to anger our allies. I know. You know. I mean, you know, he gets laughed at by the world, you know what I'm saying? You know, the thing is is that what's what scares me the most is that if someday somebody did attack the United States and, mm. and, 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 and scorch us, mm. right, that the rest of the world wouldn't even care. That no, was, they that, wouldn't because everybody's so angry like, oh, with us. I know. That's what you get. The damn Americans. Yeah. You know, no yeah. thanks to Trump. Right. You know, but, you know how, how can we be so dumb to right. let this stuff happen? Well. Right, because they want to make America great again. Well, let's see if America exists. You know. I mean, you know, this I could, just hope something comes out at, yeah. at, at the end. You know, either uh, I think that they have some stuff really on him. We got to wait till uh, close to twenty twenty before it's revealed. Because if you do it too soon, then Pence is going to come in. If we try to impeach him, Pence is going to come in, or or Trump is going to do something drastic right. that's going to put the country at risk to create a war, so he does not have to be impeached. Absolutely. So whatever happens, I think we need they need to hold back. I hope they have a whole lot, but they need to hold just be strategic and unre, unreveal it or reveal it uh, closer to twenty twenty. You know, just just in time. Yeah. And then I hope the rest of America gets smart, wake up, and know that by any means necessary, we got to get the Reds out of the White House. Mm-hmm. They cannot leave this country. They've, they've taken things to a whole nother level in reverse, and this is what they want. Just complete absence of integrity. Absolutely. So, um, 
So anyway, so that's a good segue. We talked a little bit about Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what's the latest with Kaepernick? Other than, you know, of course, Nike gave him. Yeah. You know, uh, well, you know, here's the thing, right? You know, I'm a veteran uh, myself. Mm-hmm. Um, not just a veteran. Who, and you're a good person to speak to speak on this. Um, you know, not just not just a veteran who served. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm a veteran who's fought in war, mm-hmm. you know. And what I, branch were you in? I was in the Army. Okay. Yeah, so combat yeah. medic. Yes. Um, and, um, you know, I can honestly tell you that, you know, when people, you know, I, you know, you see these Facebook posts and you see these Instagram posts and you see these posts all over the place. You see the Sean Hannity's of the world and, mm-hmm. the, you know, the Bill O'Reilly's and all the other, <laughs> you know, uh, redheads. <laughs> um, you know that 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 are out there, and they and they speak the about kids. how when Colin Kaepernick takes a knee, mm-hmm. uh, that he is um, disrespecting the veterans who served, or the or disrespecting those men and women who lost their lives or lost limbs, right? And behind fighting for the American be, flag, yeah, yeah, behind kneeling for, uh, in front of the American flag, right. as opposed to uh, as opposed to not standing, and you know, but the truth of the matter is, is that being an American fighting man mm-hmm. or woman, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the the simple fact of the matter is that what your first general order is in your code of conduct is, is I am an American fighting man. I serve in the forces which guard my country, and I will. Mm-hmm. I'm prepared to give my life in their defense. So, the protection of our Constitution is job one, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yes. The maintenance of the Constitution. Those first ten amendments in the Constitution of the Bill of Rights. The very mm-hmm. first one is freedom of speech, right? Mm-hmm. And that very first one mm-hmm. is the one that all those people went and laid their lives for. down. Right. Right. So, so when you say that Colin Kaepernick is right. disrespecting those veterans, actually, he's really anything, upholding. He's, he's upholding what they, right? <laughs> right. Anything. He right. Is, he is. He. What he's doing is he is honoring right. those men and women who fought for the right for him to do so. Right. Right. So for somebody else to say that he's disrespecting those people, they're misconstruing they are misconstruing this, but intentionally they're disrespecting those veterans, and they're doing right? it intentionally. They're, they're using that as an argument intentionally because they know that's a high sensitive argument when you start when yeah. you throw in the veterans, and that's not it. If anything, he's honoring because he clearly and consciously wanted to protest in a way that still had honor. And that was given to him by advice of a former veteran and uh, an athlete and also someone who was aware of what what Martin Luther King did and why he protests, and he particularly bowed down in his protest to the flag. So he's doing something that a former uh, leader, civil rights leader, humanitarian, uh, Nobel Peace Prize winner of this country, you know, uh, did. Right. And he's going to get criticized for that? This is all Trumpism all, all over, 9,000. Yeah. And, and if you love our veterans so damn much, why don't you bring them home? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Stop sending them over to Afghanistan to get shot up. You right. Know what I'm saying? And the Swiss cheese. Because ain't nothing happening in Afghanistan. Right. You know what I'm saying? Bring them home. Bring them home. You love them so much. Bring them you home. You want to, you know, honor their service and thank them for their service. Bring them home. Buy them a damn sandwich and buy them a house or something like that. You know what I'm saying? I know. Like, you know what I'm saying? Give them a damn house, right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, that, that they'll be fine. They won't have no PTSD, I guarantee you, if they have a house to go to. 
Please, right? Jive. I mean, bring the boys home. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know what? That that goes to. Uh, I have a little segment I call uh, "Who's Jive? Who's Keeping It Alive?" Okay. So for the week, there's been a lot going on this week. Mm-hmm. So uh, who gets the award for who's who's Jive? I think we said it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and who gets the award for who's keeping it alive? Now, who's Jive? Drum roll. Kavanaugh. <laughs> Kanye. <laughs> I agree. Right. Yeah. <laughs> of course. And uh, who's keeping it alive? Well, I'm going to have to say, I still got to give it to Diane Feinstein. <laughs> All right, I'll give it to her. Right. Kamala Harris. <laughs> Kamala Harris, there you go. Okay, yay. There it is. Yes. Wow. Well, you know, with that, I guess we wind down. Christopher Jeffries. Yeah. Y'all, this was Christopher Jeffries. We had a vibe juice with Christopher Jeffries. That has been a true pleasure coming down here and doing my thing. And he is, he's, he's vibed, y'all. He's vibing. And looking forward to him to continue to vibe with us on the Vibe Crew. Yeah. Yeah. You got anything special coming up? Uh, well, you know, uh, nothing really special coming up uh, immediately, but, you know, I'm sure there will probably be some shows coming up. Hopefully you can uh, make some announcements in the future. Absolutely. So would you come back again and uh, maybe we could do a deep dive about uh, some of the films that have come out of Oakland or oh, put Oakland yeah. in mind? Yeah, that'd be I'd awesome. love to do yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll make that soon. Yeah. So you all make sure that you uh, check in real soon because we're going to have Christopher Jeffrey come on back. And, uh, you know, Oakland's got so much going on. You know, we got to let you know that this is Oakland. You know, this is America. This is Oakland. It's going down in the town. In the town. All right, y'all. Well, uh, have a great week. It's been good. Yes, uh, truly enjoyable. Check you next time. Peace. Out. Keeping your head above water. Dissing Trump when you can. Reality pop-offs. Good vibes. Corporation rip-offs. Good vibes. Fighting gentrification. Good vibes. For 20 